Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. And welcome back to the Underdog Nasty Podcast, AAC edition. This is Dan Morrison. That's Emily Van Buskirk. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I am living the dream every single day. Here we are. Wow. Uh, I know. It's great. It's great. No, what I really was doing for the last 45 minutes was arguing online with some Conference USA fans about realignment, which is super productive. I know. Uh, What, What were they saying out of curiosity? It was this just debate about what equals a team, what, what type of team is the American going to be looking at? Uh, what matters? Does facilities matter? Does media market matter? Is it recent mm-hmm. on-field success? And the truth is it's a blend of those things. You, yeah. know, you can't just be a team that was good. Like Coastal Carolina is a tough one, for instance, because what is one good year worth? At right. the same time, they're making huge investments in their facilities. That's worth a lot more. Yeah. Uh, you know, I know that's Sunbelt, not Conference USA, but... Uh, or but Georgia, still, same Georgia, idea. Or yeah. Georgia State, they've been terrible, terrible yeah. on the field. But they're in Atlanta, which is a massive media market. So, you know, it, there's different things, and not every team is equal. And it, it, it's just complicated right now because every CUSA school and every Sun Belt school thinks they're worthy. And I got upset at somebody who shall remain nameless that I think is a writer for our our website. (laughs) And he, I'm not going to say his name, but he said something about Marshall, you know, the last time they were going to get a conference invitation was via telegram. And (laughs) I, I gotta tell you, like, I get that he was making a joke, but the disrespect from that tweet, it really, it really got me. And I was just like, I understand you're trying to be funny. And like, some people thought it was funny, but Marshall is one of those programs. It's so historically significant mm-hmm. in college football that I feel like given what they've suffered, like those kind of jokes just aren't appropriate. So uh, yeah. I was going to go after the guy. Oh. I didn't, but he better watch out because I'm not going to be as nice next time. No, the warning is out there. Yes, it's and out there. You know for, who you are. <laughs> and for what it's worth, Marshall is definitely a program gained a lot of consideration, but again, they should, you know, at the same time, you know, they've got a good fan base, they've got good facilities, mm-hmm. but they're in a small media market. It so is a small media market. So, and this is my point, though. There's so many plus and minuses. That's super hard mm-hmm. to, at least right now, it's all guesswork. Uh, and it's not really. But Marshall has name recognition, which I, I think do. is important going across the country. Like everywhere I go, there's Marshall fans. I wear my 75 hat and people know what that is. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to weigh it out and, and what they're going to do. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I think yeah. it's still too early to do anything more than say what sounds reasonable in our heads. <laughs> um, yeah. But we've got a week three preview episode mm-hmm. that we are going to get to. We only have 10 games to preview this week as Navy has a bye week. They need it. They need to regroup. They've got, we talked a little bit about it last episode, just massive internal uh, internal turmoil, mm-hmm. tongue twister. Uh, especially with that uh, offensive coaching staff with Ivan Jasper being fired by the AD, rehired by the head coach, <laughs> to be the quarterback's coach because he couldn't get him back to OC when he kind of fought with the AD about it. And then yeah. another offensive assistant resigning because he doesn't want to get vaccinated and Naval Academy demands it of their employees. So it's a lot. Um, yeah. But they have a, they've got 14 days to think about it fix that before yeah. they go uh, off to Houston. Yeah. Uh, for now, though, we've got 10 games. One of them's on Friday night. The rest are all Saturday. We're going to start with that Friday night game. It's UCF at Louisville. Uh, you mentioned that you might be going out to this game to cover it in person, right? Yes. I, I spoke with an editor at another site that I write for, um, Skyboat, and he put in a request, so we'll see. Um, I figure it's a good stop on my way to Florida, Alabama, mm-hmm. so 
I have been wanting to check out Gus Malzahn's team in person. And I honestly think it's important to see, especially for those for us that are like weighing in on, on how good or bad they are. I like to go out and see what the vibe is and, and how the team feels, because I think that can make a difference. So um, hopefully I can get out there, but either way, I'll be watching it. So. Absolutely. And this is UCF's only power five game this year. Uh, mm-hmm. They usually try to get two on the schedule, but this is the only one for uh, the 2021 season. Do you think that that's going to be anything special about just because it is an ACC team? Or is it just the same old, same old kind of deal? Louisville hasn't quite, I was so excited for Satterfield. And when I went out there for the Notre Dame game two years ago, it was like, you could feel it in the stadium. This was going to be Louisville's year. They were, you know, they rebuilt all this facility nearby and they have this good vibe. They have a great stadium DJ, shout Mm -hmm. out DJ K-Dog. I really thought this was a year and then you haven't seen them quite develop the way you would hope to under him. So Mm -hmm. I think UCF's going to come in and do what they do. I, you know, I tend to think the same way because Satterfield, I remember that Notre Dame game distinctly, I think. I've mentioned it. Ian Book hit the cheerleader with the football. It was yeah. hilarious. I, that was one of the great <laughs> moments out there. No, like that's but, uh, the only thing Ian Book can hit. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, the winningest quarterback <laughs> in Notre Dame history. Okay. I like the kid, but I feel like people definitely hyped up his ability. He's not a bad quarterback, but he, I don't ever think he was as good as people had him like envisioned to be. Well, that's part of being the this is gonna get sidetracked really quickly here. But that's <laughs> Part of being the quarterback at Notre Dame is completely unrealistic expectations. Yes, like just, fair enough. We know what Jack Cohn was from all his time at Wisconsin. He had a really great offensive day against Florida State and came back down to earth a bit against Toledo. And people were like, so he sucks. No, he's just <laughs> who we always thought he was. That's you know? fair. Well, and he wasn't my favorite interview, to be honest with you. Like, not not a great quote. No, it was. He, he but he when said, he hit that cheerleader, I died because that <laughs> went viral on social media, and I think he tweeted something funny about it. So that game, I will say, this, like I was uh, starting to say before mm-hmm. we got sidetracked, uh, I cover Notre Dame for another site. I've said that several times mm-hmm. on this podcast throughout the time I've been on it. The amount of anxiety that I had to deal with from Notre Dame fans about that yeah. game was incredible. And then they went 10 and two in the regular season. Thing. Right. And it ended up you meaning know? nothing. Right. And yeah, it was just that's kind of how I feel Louisville is, is like they do these things in the beginning of the season like that. And then it ends up not being a thing. So yeah. I really want Satterfield to do well there. Cause I think he's a good guy and I like what he's instituted, but he just hasn't had the talent and the development. So, and I think he's not that way too publicly made it clear that he's looking at other power five jobs. Like what happened with South Carolina, he made mm-hmm. it pretty clear that he wanted the South Carolina job. He didn't get it, but it, I think it's made things very awkward in Louisville. Uh, as far I hate as the, to see that you do, you do, but you know, you know how these guys are. It's yeah. a, it's a growing prese- a profession. You look to move up the ladder and mm-hmm. the SEC is ahead of Louisville. You know what I mean? It's ahead of most yeah. ACC jobs. So that's just, how it is sometimes. And it unfortunately makes it awkward when you don't get there. As far as the game itself, what I mm-hmm. really think it comes down to on the field is how well UCF defense contains Malik Cunningham's running ability. Mm-hmm. I think that's the dynamic that you have to be careful for. I think the defensive line for UCF is more than capable of handling that. Uh, you know, as long as they keep him in the pocket, he gets out mm-hmm. of the pocket. I'm a little nervous about the linebackers running down. Uh, you'll be able to tell me more once you see in person, but I want to see the secondary grow a little bit yes. more. That's what, you know, UCF's big concern on defenses is the youth in the secondary. And each week they need to show those tangible signs of improvement before they get to be playing teams like SME or Cincinnati towards the end of the year. I think it's going to be a fun game in the sense that we're going to see both teams come out and we're going to see like some momentum swings on both sides. Mm -hmm. But I think again, it's going to come down to third down conversion rates, like every game. And then also controlling the clock, you know, that's one of the things Louisville, like of all the things they do well, that's something they do very well. And so if they can manage to control that and slow Mm -hmm. down UCF, you know, then that'll be interesting. They might make it a game. It will. The other kind of major question I have for UCF is how healthy is Matt Lee, the starting center? You know, he was all Mm -hmm. American athletic conference last year as a freshman. He got banged up against Bethune Cookman. He's listed as day to day. I want to see if he's healthy enough to go on a short week and see where he's at because he is vital to that offensive line. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
But in general, I think that it's probably going to be pretty easy for UCF to move the ball up and down in a Louisville defense that has for years been unable to figure out any sort of consistency. Yeah. I'd like to see UCF be balanced. You know, I know they want, they're going to let Dylan fly and like do all that stuff, but I'd love to see them balance out the attack. I, I, I think they will. Gus does like to have a nice power yeah. run game going. That's yeah. part of his offense. And so what makes it click is when he has that balance yeah. uh, prediction. Who you got? Uh, I'm going to go UCF. I think I'm going to have to agree with you. Okay. I know everyone is shocked, shocked, shocked. horrified. <laughs> uh, we're moving to the Saturday slate of games. Uh, I'm going to start off with Boston College at Temple, a noon kickoff. Bill okay. Jerkovic for Boston College got hurt against UMass pretty severely. He might miss the season, so they're out the starting quarterback. Dennis Grossell will be the starter for BC. He's got a lot of experience. You know, how good is that experience? Well, he's been pretty average the whole time he's played, but he is experienced. So take that for what you will. Zay Flowers also got banged up against UMass. He's their you know, all-American candidate wide receiver. Right. Uh, he was able to come back to the game against UMass, so I, he'll be there playing, but how healthy is he? Might be a little bit of a question mark. So those are knocks on a BC team that frankly struggled against UMass team that should have beaten by 50. Yeah. And again, part of that struggling was losing their starting quarterback after four throws. Yeah. Uh, you know, he got a wrist injury, and he's like done for the year. But, you know, they also let UMass score 28 points and should have been 35 points because they did get a goal line stand. Mm-hmm. And UMass's offense hasn't been that effective in like five years. So, <laughs> um, so I'm curious to see what's going up against. It's a much more physical Boston College team than Temple played last week at uh, Akron. Mm-hmm. What do you think Temple has to do? I think we saw them finally like get things going um, mm-hmm. last game, and I think they just need to stick with more of the same that they were doing, you know, I feel like too many times teams get in that situation. They come into this next game they try and do some different things. Like just be consistent, Mm -hmm. you know, just do the things you have to do. Don't make mistakes. Don't shoot yourself in the foot. Like you did in game one and just take care of the ball. Absolutely. I thought Justin Lynch did a great job of that against Akron. Mm -hmm. Uh, He needs to continue to do that. He doesn't need necessarily to create huge plays. Mm-hmm. It's nice, but he doesn't need to do that. Uh, you know, he just needs to not turn it over and be consistent in how he moves the ball up and down the field. Boston College's defensive line is not its strong suit, so Temple might be able to get the running game going a little bit on them right. and find a little bit more balance on that offense. But, you know, we'll see because BC is a more physically strong team than Temple is right now. Yeah. You know, BC is one of the I, I know they just lost their quarterback, which is going to make this not a true statement, but they are one of the better ACC teams, not in Clemson. You know, without Dracovic, they probably fall to the middle of the pack, but they were at the tie end coming into the year, at least. Um, yeah, there's I, a fun, there's a fun note. I don't know if you saw this where they have, there's brothers playing against each other. So uh, Pat Garo, the third Garwo, um, he is, the Boston College running back, um, his younger brother, Andrew Garwo, is a redshirt freshman cornerback for the Owls. Okay. And they will, I don't know if he's seen playing time or if he's on the depth chart or whatnot. I'd have to check, mm-hmm. but um, it should be an interesting day for the I, Garwo family. There's a, yeah, there's bragging rights right there. Yeah, there uh, we go. <laughs> another fun name. I'm pretty, sure, I'm pretty sure Mike Vrabel's son plays at Boston College on the offensive line. I might okay. be wrong, but I know. I'm 95% sure it's a former Patriot linebacker, and I'm 95% sure it's Mike Vrabel. Okay. Um, that, <laughs> we'll that, that's a random fact that could be completely wrong. Uh, but if but, you're right, it's, it's a pretty good right, fact. If I'm right, it's pretty solid of me. Uh, I'm excited to see Temple's linebackers get after it. You know, I feel like the strength of Temple's defense is in that line, in linebacking mm-hmm. core. Um, George Reed, redshirt freshman Jordan McGee, mm-hmm. Um, I want to see them lay some hits because you're saying BC is physical, so they're going to need to yeah, come out. And, that's a and large kind of part. Of it. You know, yeah. they're coached by Jeff Halfley, the former Ohio State defense coordinator, and that really mm-hmm. is, you know, I, th- I think that BC is a very, very well coached team. I think very highly of that whole staff, pretty much. So, are you going to pick Boston College in this game? Yeah, I am. Ooh. I'm taking the Eagles. Uh, I am going to go with Temple. All right. 
I, I think they have some momentum. They shook off that first loss and they're going to come into this one. And it's their I first home game. It so. is their first home game. That and as we all know, there's no better home field advantage in the American than Lincoln Financial Field. Is that a no, joke? It is a joke. It's it, it, it's pretty quiet. There. Well, whatever. At least they'll have like fans. Okay. So just, yeah, no, excited I, for them. I, you know, here we are. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, here we are. <laughs> we've got one other noon kick and frankly, it's mm-hmm. the more interesting noon kick because it's Cincinnati at Indiana. Yes. This game is very interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I think we're, I'm excited for it. That's probably where I'm going to be tuned to at the noon hour on ESPN, okay. the four letter network. Fair uh, enough. You know, I'm, don't get me wrong. I watch all the games, but I think that's where my focus is going to be. No, and that's fair because we want to see how real this Cincinnati team is against. I actually think Indiana is a well-coached Tom Allen team. I, I like them. I like them. The, the trick with Indiana right this year mm-hmm. is they look so terrible against Iowa, who is now in like the top five in the country or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't have the eight people memorized off the top of my head, but they're certainly a top 10 team. Uh I think that's a little bit high for Iowa, but you know, we'll see as the season goes on. That defense is they're incredible. saying that this is Iowa's year, so I don't know. No, that the defense is incredible. I don't buy into the offense. Spencer Petras is a Marine Catholic. He's my fellow high school wildcat. So I don't buy it. I don't buy the offense. He's the next Iowa. Jared Goff. Okay. And how's that working out? <laughs> hey, he got paid. That's all I can say about that. He did get paid. Um, um, th- this is going to be interesting because Cincinnati has only dealt with very subpar teams. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they have this eight ranking. We don't know if they deserve it. It looks like they do. It looks like they're good, cohesive. They've been doing what they need to do, but I would like to see them do it yeah. away from their home comfort and against a real team. So you're right. There are a couple really new aspects about this for Cincinnati that mm-hmm. they haven't seen yet this year. Uh, it is, they played a Mac team in an FCS game. So yeah. far, they've played them both at Nippert stadium. They have not, this will be a, traveling to yeah. a big 10 environment. It's not like going to the horseshoe, but it's right. still a big 10 environment, you know? And uh, Indiana fans are nice. So yeah, they I've won't ne- have to deal with like any raucous, like craziness in that regard. But I've never been to an Indiana game, but from what my understanding is, is the meanest big 10 environments, Wisconsin to go into. Uh, I was listening to this uh, former North Carolina player talk about it, how like at like 9 a.m. they were getting off the bus and, you know, 9 a.m. Central time for a noon kick. And they were having glass bottles thrown at their buses by like Wisconsin, like drunk frat Wisconsin guys. No it was way. Just, he said, yeah, it was just like the, he says the craziest environment he ever went to was for, you know, an out of conference game. <laughs> That's so uh, funny. I, I, so, uh, I didn't know that. I've, okay. Yeah. I've, I've heard that it, Again, I've not been out to Wisconsin. My Midwest knowledge is not perfect, but I've heard it's well, an incredible. Mike Uremovich from Temple, the offensive coordinator, one of them, he said that, and I can't remember which school it was. And it might have been, I know it was Nebraska. Now that I'm thinking about it, he told me Nebraska was the place where he went and played when he was at NC State. And he said the fans were the nicest fans he had ever encountered. They were saying things like, good job. We know how big a win this is for you. Like, congratulations. And he said that the Midwest is kind of like that. So I was I was thinking like, okay, Indiana and Wisconsin I'm, have to be similar. I'm, well, I think Wisconsin's student body is just a little bit of a drinking culture. that's pretty high there. And I think Fair that... Enough. And I think you get a little sloppy sometimes. That's all. <laughs> uh, back to the game itself, though. Yes. Um, you're right. There are these all these new things. I think they can handle it. Desmond Ritter's, you know, a four-year starter at quarterback. They're incredibly experienced on both sides of the ball. Incredibly well coached. Uh, actually, we might want to talk about the coaching situation because reports are saying that Luke Fickle's going to USC or it's his job to lose at USC. I would really, if I were him, USC and I, Texas are the jobs I would not take if I'm him. Like, I, I wouldn't touch Texas with a 10-foot yeah. pole. Well, but yeah, but USC yeah. is similar. Well, yeah. People get fired on tarmacs out there. They just gave Clay Hilton seven years. Yeah, but he's not Clay Hilton. Clay Hilton is like, it's it's hard to explain it, him unless you, it, you have to meet him. He's... And for those who don't know the reason that that Fickle's name is such a big candidate other than his on-field success is mm-hmm. the athletic director out there at USC, Mike Braun, hired him at Cincinnati before right. going out there. So that's where the connection comes from. Uh, you know, I we don't see, think he'll we leave. See this I, all, I wouldn't. But we, we do see athletic directors hire their former coaches at a different school all the time. You know, Danny White hired Josh Heupel to Tennessee. Terry Mahajer just, you know, hired uh, 
Malzahn to Arkansas State and hired him back to uh, UCF just now. It, have, it is a common thing. But even if they don't take Luke Fickle, say James Franklin, the Penn State coach, goes there, Penn State's a very you know good-looking job to a guy like Luke Fickle. So I think that it's like a domino effect, like absolutely. He could be part of that. Does he go to like, say Matt Campbell takes it? Does he go to Iowa state? No, I don't think so. But I think there's a lot of good jobs that could open up because of this. And I think there's going to be a lot of anxiety amongst Bearcats fans about that for the season, at least. We need Uh, to chill out. Okay. uh, It's all right. Just take a chill pill. Fire <laughs> back, Tommy. Tuffle. I would be more worried about this Indiana game than I would be worried about your coaching oh, yeah. carousel well, because of, I think Indiana. Yeah. I think Indiana is going to beat them. I really I, do. And, oh, really? Is, yeah. So what it comes down to me for me in this game mm-hmm. is uh, Cincinnati secondary. Mm-hmm. What Iowa really did to Indiana was make plays in the secondary that completely shifted momentum. You know, they had pick sixes and things like that throughout the game. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati secondary is the strength of that defense. So that battle between uh, quarterback and secondary, you know, Indiana's got a couple of really good wide receivers out there. They have a good offensive passing attack. Whoever wins that individual like unit battle to me wins the game. And I think it's the Bearcats defense travels. I think it's going to come down to special teams. I don't know if you know much about Tom Allen, but he is a huge special teams guy. Mm -hmm. He literally recruits kickers, punters, long snappers, and like, secures those guys before other people because he knows how important it is to have good players of that position. Mm -hmm. So if this game is close, which I think it might be, I think the line is three and a half, which I'm saying if this comes out of which direction to Cincinnati. Okay. So since he's plus three and a half, no, they're minus three and a half. Sorry. I don't understand gambling. Okay. No, it's minus three and a half. So since he's fair, that means because it's at Indiana, Vegas actually thinks they're like a touchdown-ish favorite, but because it's at Indiana, they get like three points. So Okay. Well, I think it's going to come down to a field goal, and I think Indiana's going to win. So that's my prediction. I think that Cincinnati plays uh, full 60 minutes, unlike they did last week. I think that they're going to be – I don't think Indiana stops them all that much. I think Cincinnati wins in a okay. – I think Cincinnati wins by a touchdown. Okay. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're on to our three thirty kicks now. Uh, disagreeing more on our picks though, than we normally do. Yeah, it's good. It is. You need to catch up. Uh, (laughs) we'll go over those numbers in a minute, but, uh, because I do want to bring up those numbers because I'm like, I know you, I know you've been waiting for it. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, and the first 330 kick we can go over is the Sunny Dykes Bowl SMU at Louisiana Tech. Yes. This game, I think it's going to be more interesting than people give it credit for because, mm-hmm. you know, first off, Louisiana Tech, I think, is a little bit better than people like to think. Yeah. Mississippi State, really, really tough. They should have won that game, but they you know, kind of blew it. Right. Uh, USF fans will remember their coach, Skip Holtz, uh, from when he was there, the Bulls head coach, and all the fun feelings that brings up. Uh, but, no, they're, I think Louisiana Tech is one of those teams you can consistently expect to be about 8-4. and four. And SMU has to clean up a couple issues from last week. They had turnovers uh, on offense, a couple of interceptions that you cannot afford to keep having. You can't, mm-hmm. you just can't turn it over twice a game and expect to consistently win, especially yeah. when you go on the road for the first time all season, as they're doing here. They also gave up a ton of yards through the air. And I think mm-hmm. they, you know, bend but don't break is certainly a strategy in college football, you know, force field goals, you know, instead of getting beat uh, for chunk plays, but you can't let teams get inside the 20 either yeah uh, so i think they have to clean a couple things up uh, what do you think though i you know lot tech is one of those teams i always they put a lot of guys in the nfl and they there's a lot of talent a conference usa in general is super underrated in that regard and i think lot tech is one of those 
teams, like you said, that just doesn't get the respect that they should. Um, that being said, SMU is just going to put up a ton of points. Mm-hmm. We Tanner Mordecai has been great, but my caveat in that is that he has not been able to have a perfect game, you know, without mistakes or interceptions or, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. stuff like that. So I think he's, if he's going to make those mistakes, which he probably will, Louisiana Tech's going to make him pay for that um, in a different way than other teams have done you know they haven't faced some scrappy secondaries like they're going to see with the bulldogs but ultimately i think smu the pace they play is just too much for for this team so i am going to go smu but i think it's going to be interesting yeah i think the way to beat a lot of the teams in the american especially these uh, smu type teams that are very mm-hmm. high flying memphis type teams that score town points you aren't going to stop them every single driver consistently. It's just not really possible unless you have an elite defense. Like, uh, you know, Cincinnati can kind of do it sometimes because their defense is that good. Uh, but most teams don't have a defense that that's, that's that good. You need to force, you know, I think of them as havoc plays or chaos plays. That's a fumble. You need to force an mm-hmm. interception. You need to sack the quarterback and put them off schedule. Those are the ways to actually stop them because, when you play UCF, when you play Memphis, when you play SMU, they're going to get theirs. You just right. have to accept that you're going to probably give up 30-something points. So right. you also need to take away a few possessions from them because you're probably not going to stop them all the way down the field at some right. point. You're not going to force a three and out. You need, right. to, you, know, you need to put your offense in a good position to stay, you know, to play in a shootout game or you know, to steal possessions. So right. do I think Louisiana Tech can do that enough? No. <laughs> but it may not be it's not i don't think it's going to be a blowout like smu's been used to you know so no absolutely i think, I think it's gonna they're gonna make them earn it for sure so i i'm excited like i think this if you're a fan of like good freaking texas southern football yeah. this is going to be the game so. i think this is a very good step in if you look at the way smu schedules broken up they're taking like this little mini steps up going towards the uh iron skillet next week against tcu mm-hmm. Which is, of course, the you only know, major, major game for them. What'd you think of that TCU Cal game, by the way? Man, I do. Like I that. told you that Cal could. I said they were going to beat them, and they almost. I mean, they should have. That sure. call at the end was BS. So I do like Justin Wilcox as a head coach. Okay, I good. just I think he needs a better OC. Because I imagine Cal had a you know a good offense. How good that team would be. Because imagine if he still had if he still had. Um, uh, Tony Franklin from when Sonny Dykes was there. Tony, I was, I was just gonna say Sonny, D- Sonny Dykes. Yeah, the Sonny. D- well, yeah. I, 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 Tony is the guy who coached Jared Goff to all his success in college, mm-hmm. and his Tony Franklin system is phenomenal. And I can only imagine what he would do if he had someone like that. So, well, you know, the well, cow's better than people think. Okay, you know what? Offensive mind who knows California well just became available. Clay Hilton. <laughs> you imagine Justin Wilcox and Clay Helton working together? That's like, that would have to be the like nicest coaches room where they're just like apologizing for getting each other's way and giving each other compliments. Like it would be the funniest seven and five team ever. It would be, it would be pretty funny, but that was, I was surprised on that one. So I was happy that Cal at least stood up to them, but anyways. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So it sounds like, you said you were on SMU. I'm going to go SMU, yeah. Yeah, I think we both are. I think the talent's okay. just there at SMU, on, yeah. especially on offense, to hard to keep up with. Uh, yes. The other 330 kick that we have this week, it's going to be a little bit of a tougher game for the conference. Yeah. It's Tulsa at Ohio State going to the horseshoe. Mm-hmm. Um, tough. Stuff. Yeah, I just, I don't really even have. You know, you you watched Ohio State in person last week. Mm-hmm. I'll let you start off. I mean, wh- this is my thing about Ohio State is they're very beatable in that regard. Like if you take the Oregon game and you look at it and you break it down, how Oregon beat them with the balanced mm-hmm. offense, you know, um, suffocating them on defense and taking away all these options, forcing them into these situations where they couldn't convert on third down. All the basic things you want to do to a football team, Oregon did them. But I Tulsa doesn't have the talent that Oregon does. Or the no. athleticism. So I don't know how, if you're Tulsa, you go into the horseshoe and actually beat a team that's really pissed off they just lost. Like, I don't. Yeah. Uh, when we talk about talent, like, I know that a lot of G5 fans don't like recruiting rankings because they're, well, they're skewed. Yeah, they're not always accurate. Yeah. No, I think 
when you look at them on an individual player level, mm-hmm. they can miss completely on individual players. You know, yeah. uh, you know the Notre Dame thing that we were just talking about. Jordan Johnson, who transferred to UCF, was a high five-star uh, recruit wide receiver who landed at Notre Dame and couldn't crack the depth chart. Transferred to UCF, and he is on the bottom of the wide receiver depth chart at UCF. And a lot of Notre Dame fans were insistent that you know he's transferring because Brian Kelly doesn't see how good he is as a player. Blah blah blah. This is mm-hmm. always what happens to us. All our great players leave. No, I just think. He wasn't as good as you, you know, you were told he was, unfortunately, out of high school. Some guys, you know, have that happen to and vice versa. Zaven Collins for Tulsa was a two-star. You know what I mean? Yeah. Tulsa was a two-star. Like this happens in both directions. Yeah. Guys are over- overrated, underrated, but on a grand scale, when you look at a whole recruiting class, if you're 100th in the country for recruiting or first in the country for recruiting, there's a reason for that. One or two yeah. guys might be a miss in those classes, but it shows in Tulsa's been pretty consistently at the bottom of the American in recruiting. Right. And, you know, it's tough. You know, we saw Cincinnati a couple of years ago going to oh, the horseshoe and lose like 42 to nothing. It is not easy for the best recruiting teams in this conference to go in there. That's my question. Do you um, think they'll, they'll get shut out? No, because shutouts are really hard to do. Okay. But Ohio State is Ohio not. State's defense has not looked good. I, I saw Ryan Day talk today where he did mm-hmm. not, he, he, he was asked basically point blank, who's going to call plays on defense next week? And he was like, I'm not answering that right now. I mean, that's he, fair. I, I, it was terrible last week for them, but like that defense. I think the offense, the offensive plays were not great when it came down to no. it either. Okay. So, but look, what does it take for Tulsa to actually win this game? It takes them first off winning the line of scrimmage, which their defensive line has some really like Jackson player. He's capable of winning individual battles. Can they do it as a whole unit, the whole game? Probably not, but they do have guys on that defensive line who can do it every now and again. Uh, the offensive line's not bad for Tulsa, but it's not as good as it needs to be and hasn't been as mm-hmm. good as it needs to be. Uh, you know, in their first two games, they had one game where the running game was great, but they couldn't throw the ball, then vice versa, reverse that. You know, on offense, you need to be able to do both. You need to run that RPO. You need to run off tackle the way Oregon was able to do really well. And even then, it's probably not enough because like you mentioned, Oregon's trotting out a lot more talented of a roster. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think uh, you'd have like, they have to be perfect. And that's so hard to ask of a team coming into that environment, coming off of the games that they're coming off of. Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't foresee that being, and then what does that say about Tulsa? Oh, and three start. That's insane. And the thing is Tulsa's after Ohio state, I believe they've got Arkansas state who we just saw them play Memphis. That's not going to be an easy game. Yes. That's going to be, it's not going to get easier for Tulsa. So no, I, I feel for the golden hurricane. It makes me really think about Philip Montgomery and where he's at in that program because he had, he mm-hmm. came and had a couple of really good years, but those are the, well, it was with the other guys, players kind of thing. And then, you know, yeah. his kids came in, they had like three straight years of mediocrity, frankly. Then mm-hmm. last year where they made the conference championship. And now it seems like they've sunk back into that. I don't want to say hold because that's kind of rude, but like they've <laughs> sunk back down towards the bottom of the conference. It feels right. like, you know, that's how it feels right now. They're not at the yeah. bottom. They're not at the bottom because that's where Navy is right now, you know, yeah. unfortunately, but they are, they're no longer that kind of top tier team that they were for like one season, which stinks yeah. for them. But it seems like, it's just Tulsa is a hard place to win as well. I'll say it about is. That. It's a hard place to get guys to. It's a hard, you know, the money's not as good as other AAC teams yeah. uh, picking the game. I'm on Ohio state. How about you? Yeah. Ohio state. Yeah. Safe money. Yes. All I'll right. save my risks for elsewhere. Yeah. I've, here we go. We got a few games where you might want to risk yes. coming up. Uh, Mississippi state at Memphis. That's a four o'clock kick. The mm-hmm. Mem- Memphis came out today with big, loud announcements. They will not be allowing cowbells into the Liberty Bowl. So take that, Mississippi State fans. We don't have to listen to those. Uh, I'm really excited for this game, though. I think this yeah. is a very, very fun offensive game. It's Mike Leach's air raid versus that Memphis offense that we've all come to really, really love, that you know, spread run offense. Uh, I think it's going to be really interesting to see Seth Hennigan uh, Brandon Thomas and Calvin Austin go up against an SEC defense. I know Mississippi State's not Georgia as far as SEC defenses go, mm-hmm. but it's still an SEC defense, not like a Sun Belt defense or a FCS defense. I want to see how they mesh together because, you know, let's face it, Hennigan's a freshman and quarterback. It's going to be a lot, lot faster on Saturday than he has seen yet. 
I want to see how he handles that. Yeah. Uh, I think it'll be very interesting because he's looked phenomenal to this point. I think you'd agree with that, mm-hmm. but this is the next level up of team that he'll be playing, you know? Yeah. Uh, as far as Leach goes, there is a book on how to beat Mike Leach. You just of course, and actually, Mike McIntyre has coached against him mm-hmm. when they were in the Pac-12. So if if anybody knows him, it's going to be Mac. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, that'll be an advantage at least. We saw in all those Apple Cups just how well uh, Chris Peterson and Jimmy Lake knew how to shut down mm-hmm. the air raid. We saw last year in the SEC, like at, with the exception of LSU and Bo Pelini, how everyone was kind of like, oh, they're there's a formula to this and that formula is basically run zone. Mm-hmm. Don't, try, don't try to man up on them because they'll right. be man, but you know, zone coverage that, I mean, that's obviously making it very, very simplistic. There's more to it than that, but, but that's cover. at its base level. That's what it is. Yeah. Well, exactly. You know, you play zone and they run into you rather than running away from you is the best way I can describe it. It really comes down to Will Rogers and, and what kind of day he has. So he's looked yeah. good. I know people, my girl, Chrissy Freud, who covers Mississippi State, and she's a big quarterbacks person. She really likes him and is very high on him. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think they were going to beat NC State, to be honest. I thought NC State mm-hmm. was the better team in that game, but then they beat them pretty good, I thought. Yeah. You know, so we'll see. I don't, to be honest, this game's tricky for me because I don't know what to make of the Bulldogs more than anything else. Yeah. You know, what's funny, though, is Memphis's defense, obviously point of concern, Mm -hmm. as we saw with Arkansas State. But I feel like this game, because it's going to be up to the the safeties in the corners to to Mm -hmm. pick off passes, to, you know, cover their zones like they need to to do their jobs. And then the 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 defensive line to get pressure on Mm -hmm. Rodgers, I feel like they're going to play them a little better than Arkansas state, but it's Are they better because they let them play 500 <laughs> yards pass into Arkansas state. Yes. But I, I think they will. Um, mm-hmm. And I think they're, I think they, I think Memphis is going to win. I t- I'm, I'm going to say I'm picking Memphis too, because okay. I do believe that their offense is legit, yeah. but I'm not saying that with any certainty or confidence because well, I do, I, I do have concerns about their secondary holding up against the air raid. You know, like I said, there's a book on how to play them, but that secondary needs to show me that they can right. do it first because, you know, they, they just looked really, really bad against the one FBS team they've played so far this year. Right. Uh, and, you know, I'm concerned about putting a freshman quarterback and a redshirt freshman running back up against an SEC defensive, especially the SEC defensive line and seeing, you know, how well do you hold up against that all day? It's just, it's a completely different animal than a Sunbelt team. And, I mean that with all due respect to Arkansas State because I think they're a good Sunbelt team, but right, but it's different. It is. Uh, so I am picking Memphis, though. I do think Memphis has a great home field advantage. I'm not saying yeah. that as a joke, like I did about Temple. Uh, Liberty Bowl is an awesome. I'm not okay. So Liberty Bowl could use updates. It's old and it shows, but it's an yeah. awesome home field advantage. Uh, our next game is, to me, I think a very interesting game and a very important game for uh, the American team. It's the six o'clock kick of ECU at Marshall. Yes. Um, ECU really needs this game if they want to be bowl eligible. Because I've been saying that they need to go two and two out of conference to be bowl eligible. I really wasn't banking on going to Marshall and winning as one of those two wins. I was thinking one of those two wins was going to be South Carolina or App State. Should have been South Carolina. They didn't Should've. win that game. Uh, for me, they need to basically do what they did last week on defense, which is dominate. And they did mm-hmm. dominate last week on defense against South Carolina. They just couldn't hold out forever. And they need Holton Aylers to start showing something or they need I to... was waiting for your Holton Aylers. I so the thing is I spent all I want him to be good. That's I, why, I don't know that's that you do. Har- no, that's why I harp on it because I think he should be okay. better than he is. I've okay. I've watched him for years now. I've said, man, there's a lot of potential there. He just needs to do it consistently. And it just has never happened. And I want him to be good. But if halfway through this game at Marshall, he's playing like he did against South Carolina, I don't know how you don't put him on the bench. Because yeah. he cost you the South Carolina game. You know, yeah. he arguably cost you the App State game. Just there was inconsistency, though. There was other issues in the App State game than mm-hmm. just him. Uh, you know, but he 100% cost you the South Carolina game. Yeah. Uh, if, you know, if at halftime he's like 5 for 14, similar to how he was playing against South Carolina, and you know you can't move the ball because you can't throw five yards downfield with him. 
I don't know how you don't try a different look Mm -hmm. because you just can't accept that anymore out of a senior quarterback. Um, You know, I don't really think Marshall's been tested yet either. I think ECU is the best test they're going to get to this point in the year. Yeah. You know, so that is kind of like what we were talking about, about Cincinnati. Like you haven't seen something yet. Don't get me wrong. ECU is by no means Indiana, but, Mm -hmm. but I think it is a completely new test for that uh, Marshall team. Yeah. What do, you, what do you think? I think this is going to be the most physical team that an aggressive, if that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. Mike Houston coach team is super aggressive, super high energy. So you're going to see that, especially in the defensive side, which I will say I love Marshall's offense, but when they put the ball on the ground, they make mistakes. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's been too many fumbles and yes, they, they, they've been able to recover six of the fumbles they've had losing only one, but still but that's, that's luck. Yeah. I mean, yeah, a lot, a lot of the times it is. So they really have to clean up those kind of mistakes if they want to win this game, mm-hmm. um, which Huff knows and, and they're working on it. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if ECU kind of forces them into those run situations to try and, force that hand of mistake making. And, um, and what's interesting about that is I do think the run defense is still the weakness of ECU's defense. You know, yeah. I think they're good in the secondary last week, they showed their pass rush can be very creative and very effective mm-hmm. against an SEC offensive line. Uh, so I think they can do those things as well. But when push came to shove at the end of the game and they got tired, it was South Carolina's run game that moved the ball on them, you know? Uh, yeah. So I think, you know, I, I think Marshall could find success running the ball against CCU if it needs to, but that's just, you know, the reality of how that defense is right now. It's still growing. And yeah. I'd love to see it take another step forward, but we'll see what happens with that. Um, yeah. Yeah. This is going to be a fun game. Like this is one of all of them that I'm very excited for. Cause you know, I love Marshall. It's like one of my mm-hmm. favorite programs, but I also really like East Carolina and I loved my I loved coach Houston's energy. I liked, I like the grit in this team. And these two programs to me have guys that are very gritty, like blue collar, hard worker type players, mm-hmm. especially in the line. And for, for this game, it's going to come down to that line play. Marshall does have a very good offensive line. So um, mm-hmm. that's something to look at, but. Yeah. I, I think that it'll be, I, I, I want ECU to win, but I think Marshall is the better team. I do think Marshall wins with home field advantage. Yeah. The um, Joan is very, very loud. You know, so you're going to go Marshall. I am going to go Marshall. I can't it's pick against super, Marshall. So super important for ECU to win this game. Don't think they're yeah. going to get done though. If they win, it'd be great. I'll be happy for them. Um, mm-hmm. But I Marshall's just that team this year. So yeah. Uh, All right. Three more. Uh, yeah. We've got our seven o'clock kicks, two seven o'clock kicks. The first is Florida A&M at USF. Uh, <laughs> it's a chance for the Bulls to hit the reset button on a really tough first couple of games. Yeah. And you know, it's an FCS opponent. You should win the game. You should take this as the game to figure out who you really want to be as your full-time starter, because I don't think you can go too much further into the season, flip-flopping your quarterbacks as much as they have been. Mm-hmm. I think you, I think they really want Kate Forden to be the guy. I know he hasn't grabbed the job necessarily. He's done some mm-hmm. things nice, but he hasn't said, yes, I'm the guy, but I think you need to make up your mind, either let him be the starter for the year or throw the freshman in um, yeah. and just go for it. You know, you either do the trial by fire for him or you don't. You don't do this kind of flipping, flopping, kind of don't let either of them get into a rhythm throughout the game thing. Um, so I think what this game is, by and large, for USF is a chance to figure out all the personnel you really want as your, you know, how you want your depth chart to look going forward and mm-hmm. just com- gain a little bit of confidence, get a win you know, and feel better about where you're at as a team. You know, you mm-hmm. don't, you know, you t- it's tough to start with two power five games when you're trying to rebuild. It just is. Yeah. You know, USF showed growth throughout the season last year, week one to week two, they showed growth this year. And that's what continues to be about for them is show that you're improving on the field. And even if the, you know, even if the wins and losses don't show it at the end of the year, feel better about your actual performance. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's hard to feel bad about your performance in the first two weeks, but you need to, you know, keep that growth going. You have to show people that you can take care of the job when 
you can take care of the job. And this kind of game is something some teams would look past. And I think it was interesting because, you know, head coach Chef Scott said, we haven't done anything to be able to look past anybody. And I think that it's good that they know that. (laughs) They absolutely have not done anything to get to look past the game. Uh, You know, the truth is if, you know, you're giving up 40 points a game consistently, Florida A&M plays a pretty fun style of offense. I know they're Mm -hmm. FCS. I I know that they're FCS, but they can score some points. So if you're not careful, they could get up there on you quick in a heartbeat. If you're not paying attention or you think that you're just better than them because of the name on your chest instead of anything else. I really, I, and you just need to put together a day offensively because offense is Jeff Scott's calling card. Charlie Weiss Jr. was supposed to be a very big hire at offense coordinator. And it really has never looked all that great on offense. There are times last season where it looked like it might come together. Yeah. And it fell off the map again, you know? So, you know, you've got this game, then they have to go to BYU the week after with that's a ranked team, then SMU. Uh, and then, you know, then you're into the heart of conference play after this game, how many winnable games are there really? Oh, yeah. maybe Tulsa, depending on what they turn out to be this year, maybe temple, depending on that, if ECU starts to spiral potentially, but I mean, I'm talking about less than a 50% chance on pretty much every game remaining yeah. after Florida and so you really, really need this one. Yeah, um, they do. A hundred percent. And it's funny because not only is it just a Florida in-state, you know, mm-hmm. game, which you love to see because of the recruiting and the, mm-hmm. the ties to the state, but their coach, um, the Rattlers, Willie Simmons is Jeff Scott's former teammate from Clemson. Oh, really? Yeah. Isn't that fun? That's a fun little the tie to the game. Full circle so. sometimes. It really does. This sports college football world, sports worlds are small. So I think that's even more of an incentive, you know, to kind of, to kind of shove it. I'm sure they take that seriously. So (laughs) Uh, I'm sure they do too. Um, Who are you on? I mean, obviously USF. So yeah, Yeah, no, you got to win this game. I'm picking them as well. I just really hope I want to see Timmy McLean, little Timmy. Well, that's my thing though, is who's it going to be? Is, are you going to say Timmy McLean, you're the guy like, we want you to be the four-year starter. Go get it. And I just, mean, like, I'm not going to think that far. I'm just going to say I want him to just play his little heart out. Tiny I'm, Tim, come I'm, on. And I'm sure he will when he – because I'm sure he's going to get playing time in this game. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. I think you just – like I said, I think you need to take this game to figure out which Cade Ford or Timmy McLean, who is it? Timmy. I don't, I know. I don't, I don't know. All I want is for him to have a game so that you have to come back in the next podcast and talk and about say the same thing again. No. Okay. And talk about how good he did in the numbers that he put up. And That's if all he I has want. a great game. I'll advocate for him to be the full-time starter okay, going great. forward. I just then think the- they need to choose one or the other. And based on everything they've done, it seems like they want to be Kate Ford and he just hasn't done enough in game to do You always get what you want. Jeff Scott. Yep. Uh, but another- if you try sometimes, you might find that Timmy will give you what you need. Wow. <laughs> You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. Houston other, and Grambling. Let's yes, go. the other 7 o'clock kick is another FCS game. <laughs> Grambling stayed at Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh, make it quick. Don't get hurt. If you're Houston, you got to take yeah. care of business because, mm-hmm. you know, we shouldn't take these games for granted because Houston has had you know, issues under Dana Holgerson. So don't take yep. it for granted. Uh, don't run Clayton tune where he could get hurt. Let him just throw the ball and hand off. I wouldn't, you know, put him at unnecessary risk and, you know, just do what, take care of business, do what you need to do, do what mm-hmm. you did on defense last week, which is harass the quarterback for enforce turnovers. If you do those things, the game will be over by halftime. Yeah. If you don't and let him hang around, you never know. Yeah. And that's the crazy thing about this is you want to be like, oh, Houston's going to come out and shut him down. That's it. But with 
this Dane Hogerson team, you just, sometimes you just don't know. It's like, exactly. I, they sometimes just lay eggs. They yeah, do. I don't like, think they'll lose, but I, I feel like what you just said, where it's like, they could let them hang around. Yeah. It's very real. I could see that as a very real possibility, but ultimately I think they win. So, yeah, but like, I thought that this Houston team, which I'm not coming to the year, there was some people who thought Houston was a dark horse in this conference yeah, or like, I remember, I, I think they were like in the uh, initial like media poll, like ranked for like to finish. It might've been me. I might've been people because I was very <laughs> high on Clayton tune. I, um, I thought, I, I thought from the start that that was too high on Houston. I just haven't watched them. You just don't know years. though, until you know, no, and it's well, obviously exactly. not cohesive yet. You know, it's, it's clear that there's issues between head coach and staff and players. So. Exactly. I just, I really thought that they were going to handle Texas tech at the very least. I thought they're going to have a good start to the year, like a three yeah. and zero or so start to the year. But then least. it was just like, Oh no. And then the second half against Texas tech was just so bad that I don't feel comfortable. I want to trust Houston, but I refuse. To right. Trust but you Houston. don't. So no. that's fair. Um, but with that being said, they will be grambling state and yes. they sh- should do it. As- My biggest question is grambling going to bring the band. Cause I've seen grambling play. Um, at Cal one time, and it was the most incredible halftime show I've ever seen. So I really hope for yeah. the people of Houston that they bring the band. Speaking of bands, FAMU better bring its band to USF too. Oh, they have they a all... good one as well? Oh, yeah. Uh, nice. Bethune-Cookman brought their band to UCF, and the both bands played together at halftime. And that, oh, was, a really, awesome. that was a really good uh, performance that they did, if you have the chance to go find that anywhere. I will. But no, you know, uh, FAMU and Bethune-Cookman, they play the Florida Classic game. And they have a huge battle of the bands competition, like the night before the game itself, like at Amway Center last time that I saw it was at mm-hmm. Amway Center. And, you know, they played at the Citrus Bowl that year, the game itself. It's a huge, huge game and huge. And the bands are just as big a part of that for them. Bands have been like a thing. So I was in the elevator at the Ohio State game, little side note. And I got in there with um, Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt, who were calling the game. Mm-hmm. And we were also joined by two members of the Ohio State marching band, which are like, a, they're like a serious group. They're band, okay. Yeah. They're very, yeah, they're a big, big deal. And, um, you know, Gus Johnson's kind of jawing them a bit like, hey, hey, do you think you guys could be Texas A&M's band? Like he's trying to like push them to like, Talk some smack. I think and, I would have really enjoyed hearing that. Oh, it was incredible. I'm dying laughing. Joel Klatt's dying laughing. But the kids are just standing there like they did not know how to respond. So they didn't say anything. And they got out. And then after they got out, the two alumni, there was two older, a man and a woman who had no idea who Joel Klatt and Gus Johnson were. Yeah. And they turned to me and they're like, oh, man, why didn't our band members say that they could beat them? We're really upset. Like, why didn't they stand up for themselves? And I was like, well... It's more it's complicated who, than that, but it, it's who was saying it to them. Exactly. I, but I was dying. I was like, this is what an elevator to be stuck in. But, oh my God. That, but it was fun. You yeah. should have been recording that. I don't know if Ohio is a one or two party but <laughs> I tweeted about it, but I, no, I, I was just was, watching it happen. It was funny. Yeah. So. I live, live in the, speaking of, as you were at the game, did you see, I think it was the marshal for the band who tripped and fell on his face for Ohio as he ran onto the field. Yep. I did. So my photographer, Kim was down on the field for all that, but she wasn't, she showed me the clip later and she was like, I didn't get a shot of it. She was really pissed. Cause she wanted, it was hilarious. Like how many times has he done I, that? Probably never. Like, well, I mean, how, like, Oh, no, you I mean, like, how many times field? does he run that route? And like, probably, like when you count like practice and like, yeah. it, you know, that they practice on a field, yes. just like, I'm sure like hundreds and thousands of times he's done. I'm that. like, how do you fall like that? And then Kim, she went to Clemson and I was like, do people ever fall in the Clemson, you know, the like rock, the like running down the hill. Yeah. And she was like, yeah, all the time people do. And I was like, that's terrifying. No, so I, I thought about that once. Uh, I mean, I want to preface this. So in no way was I even good enough to play like D3 football, but I thought to myself, if I ever got recruited by like all the big schools and Clemson was one of them, I think I'd skip over them just because I don't think I'd like running that entrance is scary. And it's I like a I'd, steep I think downhill. I'd, I think I would fall down that hill like yeah. every single week. I, yeah, I'd be I would, terrible yeah. at running down that hill. It's, I'd have it, to be like literally last in the group, like tipping yeah. down walking. I'd be like picking my way. Yeah. When I went out and touched the rock, you know, when I went there the first time, I was like, this is so cool. I was looking down that and I was just like, oh no. I would be head first. I would just roll and just let it happen. Like, just let it happen. Absolutely. Uh, We've got one more game to last game. Game number 10 of the week. It is Tulane at Ole Miss. I'm actually Uh, excited for this game. I'm really, really excited for this game. Uh, Lane Kiffin today said, wait, first of all, did you pick Houston? I did pick Houston. Okay. All right. Houston. Got it. Okay. Right down. All right. Um, Lane Kiffin 
today, earlier this mm-hmm. week, depend, you know, early, I'll say earlier this week, because there's no way anyone's going to listen to this the day we're recording because we're recording at night. Uh, <laughs> he said that Tulane is a, an SEC team in his mind, the way he's approaching this game. And, you know, I think that's very interesting because they're frankly, we just talked about the talent gaps that you see conference to conference, like with Tulsa to Ohio state, that's probably m- much more extreme than Tulane to Ole Miss but there's still Mm -hmm. a different type of player who you're recruiting to each school. So I think that was a very generous compliment, but at the same time, you just saw Tulane play with an Oklahoma team who is definitely better than Ole Miss. Well, did you see what Tulane responded with today on Twitter? I missed it. How they tweet their, their football uh, Twitter handle tweeted out um, a picture of hold on one second it's right here it's so it's if you go to their Tulane University football it's a picture there it says SEC champs it's a little sticker Mm -hmm. and it says SEC champs 34 39 49 and so it's on the back of the helmet and I don't know like what what this means or like if this was a response three SEC championships Tulane has Okay, but if this timing of this was because of what he said, and then this is like what they're firing back, or I don't know, but I, I thought it was. it was clever. I bet it was. I'm gonna. I liked it. I like Tulane's moxie. You know, no, like I do. Gonna... I, the attitude's great. Uh, yes. You so. know, the thing with Tulane in this game is, like I said, there is still a talent difference. I think. Ole Miss is much closer to Tulane than Oklahoma is just on pure mm-hmm. talent though. And they played Oklahoma really, really tough. Uh, I do think that there's a way for Tulane to win this game. I don't think that's all that out of the realm of possibility. Mm-hmm. The first thing they have to do is make it a shootout. I don't think that you're going to beat Ole Miss by trying to slow them down or make them play a different game from what they're good at. I think you need to steer into the curve or as it were and play that shootout game with them. Yeah. And then I think you need your defense to force chaos. Like I was mentioning earlier, you then Matt Corral is liable to throw like six interceptions in a game. If he's not paying attention, you know, right. which he's, which he's done before, you know what I mean? Force those turnovers, give yourself a short field, take away possessions from them, do the things you need to do to, because again, they're going to get theirs. It's kind of like playing SMU in a way they're going to score 40 on you. So you just need to do your best to make it easy for you to score 40, you know, 41. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you need Michael Pratt to not make the same mistakes he made against Oklahoma, namely fumbling three times in the quarter. You can't do that right. anymore. You need to be more right. consistent with your, how you protect the football. I think if you do those three things, protect the football, force turnover, you know, basically win the turnover battle in a not insignificant way, uh, force TFLs and just, you know, make it a shootout. Don't try, you know, you can't play conservative at any point in this game. If you've got the ball, on the Ole Miss 39 and a fourth and three, you cannot punt that football. You need to be going yeah. for it. You know, you need to stay aggressive and play like you want to go win and like you can do all those things you need to do. Do those things and you can go and win in Oxford. Yeah. I I mean, I'm picking Tulane. So, and I think Willie Fritch is going to dial up some magical plays as he has been known to do in big games. I think the difference maker for, we saw the defense play phenomenal against Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried about that. I think it's going to be Pratt. Like Pratt needs to be more confident. He needs to get to the point where he trusts his ability and he trusts his line and he just goes for it. And he doesn't second guess anything because that's when he gets taken down and that's when he makes mistakes and doesn't complete passes. So I'd also like to see them have a rushing day, a guy go over hundred. They have not yet had an individual player go over hundred yards this season. It's all committee. Well, so I'd like a guy to have a day. Yeah. You definitely would like to see them find a guy who can mm-hmm. be that consistent workhorse. I mean, last week, it's a little tough to say because they just played absolutely everyone right, on the roster. Which is so there was no, not going to be about in Oklahoma they were playing from behind for most of that second mm-hmm. half. So they weren't necessarily, they didn't running. rush a lot. They That's just weren't fair. running the ball out to strategy was. So we'll see if they do get into a position where they can run it more. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of coaches strategy in a game like this is to shorten the game to go to yeah. the ground game and, you know, ch- use chunks to clock. I, ju- I just don't think that's the right strategy to beat Ole Miss because they're just going to go score in 45 seconds on you. So like all you're dealing with that is, yeah, maybe you're limiting their positions, but you're just limiting your own like possessions because, if you use six, seven minutes a clock and come up with a field goal or you don't get points after all that clock, you know, they're going to go yeah. score and you're just, you're giving yourself less time. 
Yeah, well, to that's be why efficient. I, that's why I say I think you need to kind of steer into the shootout and deal with the fact that that's the way the game's going to be. I understand, but I just I want to see that they can do it. And if if you could throw a wrench into Ole Miss's game plan, then you should. I also expect to see the dual tight end tandem back mm-hmm. this week, Tyreek James Will Wallace, um, which is my favorite thing in the world. So absolutely, uh, you said you're picking Tulane. I'm picking Tulane. Yeah, I'll ride I know it. you're going to go Ole Miss. You're no, going to go. I'll ride with the roll wave. You're going to go I'll roll wave. wave. Okay. I mean, it's not like that. The fact that we're even having the conversation where it's like they could win this game, like that to me is speaks to their ability as a team in the conference. So, and I'm just so tired of Lane Kiffin. Like I would just like him to lose. Mm -hmm. Fine. Well, he can go coach your beloved USC again. No, he's already been there. He's persona non grata. I saw, I saw someone talking about how like, what if they hired back Lane Kiffin? The funny thing is he would go. I feel like if they offered it to him, he would go. And how dumb are you? It would just be so funny. I don't, Uh, I don't care about anything other than the humor with that. Again, third time this podcast, I'm a Notre Dame guy. I write about Notre Dame. I want USC to be in just disarray. I think it's hysterical when they are. I think it's bad for football as a whole. It's bad make, for the it's bad for, it's bad it's for bad Pac-12. Pac-12. It is. Pac-12 needs USC. For restraint. Uh, you know, the whole nation. I think it's better when we pay attention to the whole nation and everything that's going on throughout the country, not just one or two conferences and one or two regions of the yeah. country. I do believe those things. I think it's so funny when USC is in disarray. And that's just a complete bias that I have. At this point, they should literally just let Rob Riggle or Will Ferrell coach. because Jeff Fisher. Bring, bring he, back. Just like a celebrity who maybe played football <laughs> or like, Gets you know, <laughs> exactly. Like what, go the Deion Sanders route and get somebody that is a former. Well, like, you just said it, get Dion. Or get Lorenzo Dion. Neal. Okay. Like somebody, Rick Neuheisel. I don't know. Like just some name that just is synonymous with LA and, or that Southern Hear California. Out. Hear me out. Head coach Lynn Swan. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like the most absurd like what about LA, San Reggie, Diego sports? What about Reggie Bush? Bring him back. Oh my God. He would never. Speaking yeah, of Reggie Bush, my girl, photographer, Kim, was shooting on the field. I, I was down there for the last six minutes and I'm walking to find her and I find her nestled between Reggie Bush and Matt Liner on either side of her watching the game. She had no idea they were behind her. She had no idea who they were. Poor soul. She's a Clemson girl. She had no idea. So I'm shooting pictures of her standing between these like two legendary football players. And, and it was hilarious, but you got like uh, one and a half Heisman trophies between the two of them. Okay. Well, I mean, I didn't give up my Heisman trophy. I didn't have to return it. I never got one. Right. <laughs> no, no. Not to get It'll too be funny. It'll be funny to see who ends up there. And I honestly, I feel bad. Like they're going to have, I don't know. You would need someone like Kirk Ferentz, like an Iowa, like no, not like a, or a Kyle Whittingham to come in and to totally just like Sergeant drill Sergeant, the program into the no nonsense, but they won't. That's the thing is you won't get a guy like that. So there's, well, I, I hear Herm Edwards is probably going to need a new job soon. That's see now that name, that's interesting because he's a mix of, the pop culture, but he's also about to get like a show cause penalty for what's going on at ASU with those investigations. USC's learned how they can navigate penalties. I'm like, ain't no thing. Oh, here's another one. I believe Texas has a current head coach that they're not super thrilled with for this week. And he has PAC 12 experience. They would, they can't hire him back because he sued them. So what? (laughs) (laughs) He can't, you can't, you can't go back. Uh, I, I know. Just the, the names that are getting thrown out for that job. It's great. Oh, yeah, all right. it's, fun. it's fun to and play. And all this, the correct answer to which job is better, USC, UConn, we know it's UConn. UConn's the more fun job. You can go there with no expectations. And they'll give you a weird bonus structured contract. Who wouldn't rather that than and USC? the traffic's better. I would hate yeah. to live in LA. I would hate it. Uh, no, UConn's got to hire Kevin Kelly. The Presbyterian coach never punt, always on. Oh, fire. no. Yeah. No. UConn needs a gimmick. <laughs> no. I cannot Never stand fun. that guy. Really? Yes, because, okay, real quick, this is my issue with him. I don't like that he's taking away positions that high school players train for, and then that's how they go to college because they're kickers, punters, long snappers, whatever. He's taking away a scholarship for that kid. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, there I, I, are- do, I, I do get from a very, from that standpoint. 
Like that's irritating to me. At the same time, for what? I find it because incredibly entertaining. Oh, I'm sure, and that's what he, he's, well, he's he's banking on that fact that you think it's also, funny. Well, I think it's entertaining. I don't know about funny, and it's uh, he's and banking on you being entertained, and you're well, buying into it. So he's also banking on this kind of gimmick system, completely, completely throwing you off and winning him games. And I mean, he's not Presbyterian now. He's played two like not NCAA recognized schools so far and blown them both yeah. out. Uh, we'll see when he starts playing NCAA recognized. It's not going to, yeah, it's not going to, it's but not going to He's hold also up. in like, what's the conference that Presbyterians like the pioneer league or something like that. I don't know. They play like Stetson in schools like that. It's pretty, pretty low level football, even when they are like real teams. You know, Stetson has good kickers and punters. So Stetson has almost nothing going for it. They're a non-scholarship team in the FCS level. Well, they used to, at least when my buddy went there. So I mean, they're up in a, the land. They're, it, it's mm-hmm. just a non-scholarship team in the FCS level, you know? You I just play, don't like that guy. So I, I mean, it makes just, me upset. Just you wait until he's UConn's next head coach. I will never cover UConn ever. <laughs> uh, all right. All right. We have, that's all the games. Uh, record so far this season are our picks. I went 10 and one last week. You went eight and three last week. Yes respectable definitely respect i went given that i took some chances and how'd that work out well it will eventually well on the season so far i'm 18 and four you're 14 and eight when we add that all up yeah so yeah we'll see it just takes takes one weird week it does take one weird week but it also takes us picking differently enough and what do we We did i uh, we have at least two or three different games i I know i've got bc i think you're on temple you said yeah Uh, and i've got indiana Mm -hmm. i think that's so two different games yeah so you can potentially make up two uh spots this week you know the long season long season it is you know we'll see how it goes but again like i said at some point i'm just gonna have to start protecting myself and just run out the clock no (laughs) You know, uh, yeah. Anything else major pressing that you want to think about, talk about? Anything? No, I think that's it. Awesome. I gotta go. I gotta go eat some dinner. Wonderful. Uh, <laughs> you can find me at Dan underscore Morrison 96. And you can find me at MLM, E-M-I-L-N-E-M. If you want to see stuff from the Florida, Alabama game this weekend, definitely follow me on Twitter and Instagram because I'm going to be posting all of the content. So. And also hopefully you see a Louisville. Hopefully, I know. I don't. I'm trying to not yeah, jinx it, it, but I would love to go to that game. I love me a Louisville game. Absolutely. It's a fun environment. So awesome! All right, uh, and we are off. Bye.